We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McGeckron, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. Fresh Lens Chicago is a nonprofit that teaches digital photography skills to Chicago youth with a camera as a bonus gift for good attendance. I spoke with its leaders, Shirley and Denise. While concepts like aperture, shutter speed, and ISO are certainly covered in the program, I learned that other skills are really being taught, skills such as teamwork and persistence. Shirley and Denise have unique backgrounds that have led them right into this experience of running Fresh Lens Chicago. Tell me about the nonprofit that you are running right now. Okay, the name is Fresh Lens Chicago, and we started it in 2017. Fresh Lens? Yeah. Correct. Like camera lens. Like yes. Exactly like <laughs> camera lens. Uh, we started in 2017, and it's a tuition-free photography program uh, for um, under-resourced uh, kids in Chicago. Uh, and it's a seven-week uh, course, and uh, we're meeting with them seven hours a week, and uh, they are, um, they're learning the skills and the fundamentals of photography. And it is for what ages? So it's for high school kids, and we have them for seven weeks. And at the beginning, we give them a camera to use for the seven weeks. And over the course of the time that they're with us, they learn how to use the camera, how to edit with Lightroom, how to print their photos. And by the end of the seven weeks, they are in a gallery show. Um, and then if they've met all the requirements for attendance, they leave with a used camera to keep. Okay. Uh, this sounds really cool. It sounds like something that I would have liked. Um, and it's you said it's seven hours a week? Mm -hmm. Correct. So is that like seven hours on a Saturday or is it? We break it up into two days. Um, we have uh, four hours on Saturday. And that's uh, classroom fundamentals and going out and shooting. And then we have three hours one night after school during the week. And that's when the kids are learning how to edit and print. Okay. And are kids pretty engaged? Are they sticking through, most of them sticking through the whole seven weeks? Definitely. Definitely. They're really excited about the program and inspired. And to see their growth from the beginning is just unbelievable. Um, kids who've never picked up a camera are turning out beautiful work. This sounds wonderful. Who wants to go first to tell me about your background? Because I want to understand how you got to this amazing spot. Well, it was a circuitous path. Um, I started out um, as a high school teacher, but not in art, not okay. in photography. Uh, I was a, a PE teacher and a coach, uh, and I did that for 33 years. I coached tennis and badminton, and um, I was an athletic director at Evanston High School. And when I retired in 2010, I decided I wanted to do something completely different. So I started by taking uh, pottery classes. Okay. Uh, and I loved it. I took a year of it. And at the end of the year, I decided I was not very good at it. So you went from the physical to the cerebral or the creative. Yeah. And it, it, was, it didn't go well or? Well, pottery didn't go that well. Uh, I enjoyed it very much. And I think it was a good transition for me. But I just didn't feel like I was 
at the point I should be at at that point. So I decided um, I had always been interested in photography and had done some of it, but really didn't understand uh, the real workings of the camera. So I started taking classes in in 2011 and got seriously into it and uh, started my own business and. Okay, so you went from hobby to business, correct? Very, very quickly, right? Okay, and now is no that an- is that like how you normally do things? Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Even though I anticipated uh, that I had absolutely no interest in in selling my work, I thought um, this is something I'm just going to do for myself, and uh, things just happened, and it uh, the uh, I started a project uh, with a friend uh, collaboration, and it went very well, and. It just kind of fell into it, and it's you know we are still doing that project. And um, then in 2017, I really decided uh, I was missing my roots, missing teaching. Um, so I sat down with the owner um, of Chicago Photography Classes, Nick Sinnott, and uh, talked to him about uh, possibly teaching. And in the course of the conversation, I asked him if he was doing anything uh, with kids. And he said that he wasn't. And I said, uh, wouldn't it be cool to do it with kids who could not afford, you know, expensive classes and expensive equipment? And he said that he would. And in uh, about six weeks' time, I raised enough money to buy 12 cameras. And uh, that summer, we scraped together 12 kids. And uh, Fresh Lens was hatched. Would you say that the path was something that you were carving out or you were kind of going with the flow and responding to what was working and what was successful? Well, it definitely wasn't an end goal. If somebody would have told me I was going to start a not-for-profit in photography, I would have thought they'd lost their mind. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it, you know, ultimately I was built to teach. So I think it was just a natural outgrowth of of what I was doing. So I I guess I just got back to kids. Gotcha. Okay. So does that mean you're an ENFJ in the Myers-Briggs analysis? Uh, Do you know? uh, I've, no, I don't know what those initials stand for. Okay. I do, I do know what the Myers-Briggs is, but not well enough to be able to. Okay. Well, I know that I'm an ENFJ and I know that whenever I take the test, I always come back that, and that is the teacher um, so I guess that is my personality to be a teacher. Yeah. So is that how you have always been? Were you, um, did you always have a desire or a need to share and teach? Yeah, I think it's just, uh, it's just a natural, it's just natural for me. You know, it's something I've always been interested in, um, something I've always loved to do, and I think I'm good at it. And so uh, getting back to kids is not was not a surprise, I guess. Yeah. E- even though I'd sworn them off. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can imagine, especially <laughs> working with high schoolers. Were you an athlete? And then that kind of combined with teaching, that's how you got into being a gym instructor, what's yeah. the term you were PE using? PE teacher. PE teacher. Were you an? Was your background in athletics, and that combined with the the teaching mindset? Yeah. Yes, that's the other thing that comes easy to me. I was the kid who could hit the tennis ball behind my back. It was again just easy for me. So I guess you go into the things you like and are good at. And uh, 
I started teaching tennis when I was um, 19 and just loved it and then taught uh, through college. And then actually I thought I was going to be a college tennis coach and uh, I was going to stop for a moment at high school and uh, I forgot to leave. So 33 years later, college coaching was not in the in the cards. Okay. Now, Denise, tell me about your background as it relates to getting where we are now with the nonprofit. Okay. Um, well, briefly, I, before a long time ago, I was a studio manager for two commercial photographers and always loved photography. And after my kids were old enough, I went back to school and then became a photographer. I did portrait photography and took some classes at Chicago photography classes and just, you know, tried to honed my skills and ended up teaching there. And I've been teaching there for the past five years. And I heard that Shirley was uh, doing this program. And I said, hey, do you need some help? And she has not let me go since. <laughs> and so... Sorry, a stay she's <laughs> ever had. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I'm a fine art photographer now. And um, I, you know, I love working with Fresh Lens. So, when you were working with those two photographers, when you were the... What was Stu- it? The, studio manager. Studio manager. Were they working in film or was that digital? So that was in film. And um, so I would coordinate all the photo shoots and help them get the things done. Was there a lot more activity associated with the film part of it? Yes. Okay. Can you tell me about that? I'm very curious about this world because I barely remember. I had a film camera. So they both had film cameras. Um, So there would be an assistant that would load the film and hand, hand the loaded cameras to the photographer. The photographer would shoot the, the 32 pictures, and 36 pictures. And um, then according to how the photographer shot it, they would instruct the lab how to process it. So they would either overexpose it or underexpose it, and they would get back the, the, um, the film strips. And then from that, sometimes they would make contact sheets for the clients or they would just mark up the film strip. So they shot two and a quarter film, so it was pretty big. So they can make marks on it. Um, and then they would either have their assistants print the, the work, they would send it to the client to print, or they would send it out to a, a master printer to print. So they would have to give guidance to the initial development. Yes. And you're kind of stuck with that. Yes. Because you do it once, and that's what you get. Right. So you have to be extremely precise about your settings. And if you get those wrong, the film comes back bad. (laughs) So I interviewed a photographer, uh, Benedict LaSalle, and she's a photographer in San Francisco, and she started with film. And so we had an interesting conversation about that, because that is you load the the film into the camera. I'm sorry, I, I meant to say slides. Okay. Yeah, so she did slides. So you load the film and then the actual film itself is what you develop and then you cut it out and you put it in a slide and that's it. Yes. That's It's a one-shot deal mm-hmm. and uh, that's the only thing you get because you're not projecting it to make a print. Right. And also my dad was a photographer, not professional, uh-huh. but he was a um, amateur photographer and he took all slides. So uh, that is kind of, I'm kind of fascinated yeah. with that whole part of it. Yeah. And I think film is actually making a comeback. Um, people are really missing the the purity of it. 
Um, I think the big attraction for digital is that it's cheap and you don't have to wait and you and you're getting feedback as you're as right, you're shooting right so you can you know, if you're taking film the feedback comes back in a week and so you can't take 10 shots look at them and then make adjustments in your setting and go on you know go on to shoot i just got back from africa and shot uh 500 gigabytes of uh, of shots i mean it was 20,000 shots you couldn't do that with film but do you think the fact that you have all of this available to you and you get all this immediate feedback, do you think it takes away something um, in the process of looking in the composition, in the process of taking? I, I don't. Do you think there's any any negative? No, I don't think there's any negative. And I think photographers who are doing this as an art form are really methodical and thoughtful about their shots. So even though, I mean, I'm sorry, I don't want to speak for you, but you know, Shirley was out shooting. She she was composing and thinking about all of her settings and lighting and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, but if the lion's running towards you, can you can shoot gratuitously? <laughs> you know, you just. I mean, it would be almost impossible to shoot that much with film. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so prohibit- what do you, yeah? So what do you think when you look back at photography that was taken with film? Do you do you look? Does it look different in terms of the composition? I don't think it looks different in terms of the composition, but I think that there, if you look closely and really know what you're looking for, you can see there's some difference. There's some textural difference in in the shot. But there are so many amazing post-processing programs that really can trick you so that you don't know. Mm-hmm. What a lot of film photographers are doing now is is they're still processing on the computer. Yeah, so they'll shoot it, they'll scan the film, and then they'll edit in Photoshop. So they're still, they're still manipulating it. There are, there are definitely purists who do all their work in the dark room, and, but I think most, most photographers are doing it in Photoshop. Yeah. So my first employer out of college was Eastman Chemical, which was owned by... Eastman Kodak. It was the chemical company. They, they were started because Eastman Kodak required all sorts of chemicals. So they s- started this company in Tennessee called Eastman Chemical that made it started making all the chemicals required for photography. It became its own business. But I do remember that because Eastman Kodak was, this was in 1990, and it was before digital. It was, well, digital was sort of just being talked about. And I remember there being a lot of conversation in in my company about that and how digital photography would never take over as they called it it's silver halide technology yeah. which is the the film because of the quality of the grains because it's actually chemicals so it's super super high quality and i remember them just talking about how digital will never take over and sure enough it did yeah mm-hmm. And I had a film camera, and when I bought my first digital, I said, um, you know, when digital first came out, the quality was not very good. And so I waited a while, and when I bought a, a digital camera, I said, well, I'm never getting rid of my film camera. And, and the, the guy at the camera store said, you'll probably never use it again, and he was right. No. So I have my dad's film camera that I mentioned and uh, I've been threatening to use it. I have not, but because um, it is 
a little bit of a pain in the neck. Yeah. And plus it's a hundred percent manual. Yes. Because it's an it's from nineteen fifty three. Cool. So wow. um I will be failing a lot with the with the photographs. Well, if you fail and get frustrated, we do take donated equipment. <laughs> I, I am not donating this, my goodness. No, that's well, a family heirloom. We do actually at school we have a class a film class. Really? Yep. Mm, all right. Well we'll have to talk yeah, about yeah. that. <laughs> so speaking about the school, you're teaching high school students photography. I also teach adults. Adults, okay. Yes. Let's talk. Let's talk about the program for the for the high schoolers. Okay. Um, so it is about photography, but I have a feeling that you're really te- it's about teaching something else. Right. Tell me about that something else. Right. Well, when I when I when I was teaching and when I was coaching, uh, you know, how many kids Evanston High School is a huge high school, but even out of that, how many athletes are going to go on to do that as their life's work? not very many. And so I have always taught in the classroom and taught um, and coached for the value that it had to help kids learn life skills. And and that's exactly how uh, we're approaching this. Uh, We love photography. We're uh, manic about it uh, without fresh lens. Uh, We travel all the time. We shoot all the time. um, And we love it. But and we want the kids to love it. But more than wanting the kids to love photography, we want them, we want to captivate their interest and get them hooked in. And then we want to push them uh, to look at their lives, uh, to understand what it, what it is to be committed, to um, learn about what it, learn about the value of teamwork, um, showing up on time, being committed. We, attendance is a very big factor in whether or not they get the free camera at the end. So they're allowed to miss two. After the third one, they, they don't get a camera. Um, we haven't really run into that yet. So kids are really dedicated. Yeah, kids are amazingly dedicated. Um, you know, and I think the camera is a good hook. Uh, I think a lot of kids sign up because they're going to get a free camera and I think it's important to them, but I think even if, you know, we had uh, a, a student who went on to, to do a great job and he said, we, my friend and I just signed up because we wanted this to look good on our resume. We wanted it to look like we weren't doing nothing in the summer. And then he just, he loved it and he's shown his work many times and uh, has had a chance to sell a lot of work. So... Um, the photography is fabulous. We love it, but you know, it's, it's a great way for kids to express themselves and it's a great skill to know how to do, but more importantly than that, it's what can it do for kids to show them, uh, a path forward in their life. I mean, we talk, we have the kids journal and we talk, have them talk about what their, uh, Drinks and what their liabilities are as a person, and what things are going to make them successful, and and what kind of steps they can do to improve uh, some of their deficits. So those conversations are about their character traits and not about their skills as a photographer. Right, right. I mean, that you know, obviously that does happen, but the, these conversations that we're talking about are are more character 
and discipline and focus. I mean, you know, we're in a society where we all have our heads and our cell phones every 30 seconds. And so we're really talking about the importance of focusing and um, attention to detail, which is very important in photography. Right. And we, you know, we want them to know that once they get out, when they go to work, what sort of employers and people in the real world are going to expect from them. And that, yeah. uh, and then we also really try to build up their confidence. They, by the end, they're talking about their work to adults that they don't know and really convincing a lot of people to buy their work. And Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like those types of skills are, are so important. And looking back on, you know, my life, I'm realizing that I ha- I was a pretty good student, but I had a lot of opportunities to learn some of those things. And I don't know, you know if I personally took advantage of it. Right. Um, w- one of the things that I think is really important, f- um, that I think would be important, I don't have kids, um, is to... Um, things that aren't going well and challenges and disappointments and that that is simply part of being a person. Right. Right. And if you, regardless of um, what you're doing, if you're going to be successful, you are always going to have setbacks. Sure. And that is part of it. And it doesn't mean that you are a failure or that it's a disaster. Right. That is part of how things go. Yeah. And so like that, now I don't know if that's something that you talk about. Definitely. Okay. But I know that like, like personally for me, I'm realizing like that wasn't something that I, I knew and that would have been really helpful because I didn't learn that until I was like in my thirties and this is making me think of that when you yeah, right. when you talk about these kind of, you well, call we, them soft we, skills. Yeah, we talk to kids about being the masters of their universe, you know, and, and finding a way, finding a way to get to the bone, whatever that is. And, you know, and... What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, you know, what do you want to do with your life? And if you really want to make, you know, and if you have a specific goal, you really want to make things happen, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to get there? You know, and we talk about playing, you know, that they need to play to their strengths. They need to figure out what their strengths are, play to their strengths. And, you know, you're absolutely right. There are going to be, um, there's going to be disappointments in this life. It is absolutely inevitable. And, uh, you know, I think for a lot of these kids, um, feeling like they can succeed is, Sometimes the part that's missing, not understanding that life has uh, difficult uh, difficulties, challenges. Yeah, these kids are pretty resilient. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so that part of the equation they already they already have. Um, for them, it's more about understanding that there is possibilities right. if they focus and work hard or stay um, stay focused. Right. Is that? Accurate? I mean, one gotcha. of one of the things we start. Uh, as the class begins, is we do uh, critiques every week. And we have kids talk about their work and why they picked this particular photo to print, what they liked about it, you know, how it made them feel. And um, we think that's really important for building confidence of about, you know, confidence to speak. And ultimately... Meaning speaking about their work. Yes, speaking to others and communicating to others in general. Uh, So what happens at the end of the course is the kids will pick their two 
the two prints that speak to them most that they feel are their strongest prints. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll print those, uh, mat them, frame them, and uh, then they will be in one, two, three, four shows, depending if they keep going. Every kid is guaranteed one show. So at that show, um, you have them standing by their work, and people come up and talk to them about their work. You know, the first summer, this part of the program was not mandatory. If they wanted to show in the Ravenswood Art Walk, it was optional. Well, five kids chose to show, and we we just saw how incredibly valuable the experience was and how proud of the kids were of their work and how, you know, the story I always like to tell is there was one young uh, girl who... um, was very painfully shy. And, you know, we got together and we talked to them about, you know, how important it was to present their work. And so this young lady was the first one to sell her work and she was unleashed. The rest of the show, you would have had no idea that this kid was shy. Really? Yeah. And I mean, the kids get to keep half of the proceeds of their sale, half goes to the program and to supplies for printing and things, frames, but they keep half of it, and uh, they're proud of that. And some of these kids have made quite a bit of money over the last couple of wow. years selling their work. We, a great organization in uh, Evanston, uh, bought 140 uh, frame prints from us. So the kids made a lot of money off of that. That's great. I yeah. think having having the skill to present your work right. is very important because it's kind of like learning, you know, when you're in business, you always have to do presentations and people get very nervous about that. And this sounds like this would be the start of that because that's an important skill. Yes, it is. um, To be able to present an idea. You know, in business, it's usually, you know, someone else's idea that you're presenting. It's usually not as intimate and personal as being a photographer. So that's wonderful that they get to start with something that is so meaningful and that they have a lot to say and a, a strong opinion about. Right. So that, that sounds like a wonderful, yeah. wonderful opportunity. Definitely. So your story, Shirley, is about having an understanding of who you are and what your strengths are. And it sounds like you kind of stayed true to that. And you, you know, you started out as an athlete, but you know, at your core, you're a teacher. Right. So that made you into a phys ed teacher, and ultimately to what you're doing now. Right. What advice would you give to people listening to this about staying true to themselves and as it relates to finding their path? Well, I've been lucky. I've been lucky that I've always had a job that I love to do. Uh, And I think part of that is positive, staying positive, because every job has has its trappings. Oh, every yeah. that doesn't sound like luck to me. Yeah, every job, <laughs> every job has has the has its downsides mm-hmm. and its frustrations. And and teaching is is teaching has some coming from from a lot of different directions. But you know, I really think people have to know what they want to do and figure out how to do it well and. Uh, not get, not to get dissuaded from what you want to do. And, you know, sometimes the path is not easy. Mm-hmm. And so just find a way to find a way to make it work. You know, if you have to morph yourself in the meantime, find a way to make it work. Find find where you, your passion is 
and figure out that figure out that path. Okay, great. And then Denise, what would you say based on your journey that brought you to this amazing situation that you're in? Well, what what I tell my students is um, that you know everybody everybody in my class is a photographer and. If you ask 10 different people, do you like this picture, you're going to get 10 different responses. And ultimately, like you said, you have to be true to yourself. You have to believe in your work and um, keep pushing your vision and, and don't give up. Um, and, you know, when I was freelancing, uh, I would be very persistent and I just, I never gave up until I, I got, you know, a job with the person or I made contact or got a reference so that every contact I made led to something else. I think that is a great suggestion. So if people want to learn more about your program, where can they go? Well, we have a website, freshlandchicago.org, and uh, that's a good place to start. People can contact us uh, through that. That's also the place um, that kids apply and um, Our next program starts February 8th, and applications are open, and they're already coming in. And uh, a student does have to uh, be a uh, free and reduced uh, lunch status to be in the program. Uh, So a student does have to have financial need. And they'll have to live where? And they have to live within the city limits. Of Chicago. Yes. Yeah. The suburbs have uh, a lot more opportunities for kids, so... Uh, I felt uh, we feel strongly that this should be uh, this opportunity should be held back for city kids. And if people wanted to help the program, how could they do that? Well, uh, we are always looking for camera donations, and that means camera bags, memory cards, card readers, lenses, any type of digital or film camera can be donated. And we're a five hundred one c three, so people. We are, e- we are even looking for uh, computers because some of our kids don't have computers, and uh, we try to be full-service friends. So if, if kids need something, we try to get it for them. So, of course, that's uh, important to be able to edit your work in photography, but it's more important to be able to do your school work. So uh, besides financial donations, we are interested in film film as well as digital cameras and and all the all the supplies Denise mentioned. Okay, great. And we get some of those every week, believe it or not. Oh. Yeah. And what kind of camera are the are the kids getting? Well, they're shooting during the year with a Canon T5i, which is a a nice camera and uh Is that like a Rebel? Uh yeah. it's a yes, yeah, yes. That's what I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are awesome. They are. Yeah. They're great They're incredible. So uh, the, that's amazing. That's yeah. an incredible. And as you mentioned, people have the iPhones and they think that that takes good pictures because it has all the effects, blah, blah, blah. But the quality of those Canon SLR oh. cameras, it's unbelievable. Oh, right? they're excellent. It's, yes. And especially when you're using Lightroom, because even under difficult low light conditions, those sensors are picking up so much information that you can make all sorts of edits and right. it's it's incredible. Right. Yeah. So that's what the kids are shooting with during the program and they're getting a variety of cameras because some we purchase but but many of the cameras we're giving kids are donated. So mm-hmm. we always tell them all all cameras are not created equally so the kids who have zero absences 
get to choose first. So last session we had eight kids with zero absences. So they wanted wanted to be first in line. So how'd you manage that? We drew numbers. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we drew numbers, but now we're going to take some other things into account. <laughs> okay, great. Well, yeah. this is this has been wonderful meeting you guys because I had never met you other than we did a brief phone call right. um, and learning more about your program. And I think these kids are really lucky to have this program and to have you guys. You sound like you're very passionate and that you're they have the right people that came together to create this program for them. That's really perfect yeah we hope yeah we hope so (laughs) and we feel we feel very fortunate all you have to do is work with kids in a serious way and you get so much you get so much back yeah they're really great kids so thank you for having us yeah thank you so much you're welcome which is our favorite subject right (laughs) my name is ricky mcgeckrin and you have been listening to eager to know the podcast if you haven't already please go to apple podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast.